I was told at the beginning of the season that the Brentford model, and of course they have the, what's called the League of Justice, which has been well scoffed at by so many people, and their insults have been thrown back down their throat now, the league table that's based on performance as much as results. And at the beginning of the season, the League of Justice had Brentford finishing 14th with 45 points. We finished 13th with 46. So it was pretty much spot on. So I knew, and that was a great um, relief to me, that within the club, whilst they wouldn't express it publicly and shout from the rooftops, there was more than a hope, not quite an expectation, that we would survive, if not flourish. And that was always in my head. Um, I remember sitting down with Thomas Frank the night before the, the Arsenal, and the confidence that he exuded, and he's an incredibly nice guy, with a tough streak. You know, you wouldn't want to go on the wrong side. But he is intelligent. You can talk to him about anything. And one of the biggest gifts I think he has is that he makes you feel the most important person in the room when you're talking to him. He's not looking over his shoulder to see if there's someone else better than you, you know, can do more for him. He's not looking at his watch or playing with his phone. He's, he's there with you the whole time. I remember the first question I, I said to him, I said, well, first point I made to him, I said, everyone calls you Thomas. All the players call you Thomas. I said, this is unheard of. This is not what the football hierarchy or the feudal system of football um, is, is, uh, expects. And he just laughed his head up. I said, well, it's my name. He said, Ivan Tony does call me Gaffer, but everyone else just calls me Thomas. And I said, it doesn't mean that they don't respect me, but I respect them too. And it's all about engagement, collaboration. Yes, of course he makes a decision. He doesn't, he doesn't ask everyone who should be in his team, but he involves everyone in the tactical discussions. He gets their views. You've got someone like Christian Norgard, who has flown completely underneath the radar, below the radar. And Christian Norgar has to be in the top four defensive midfield players in the country. He is just superb. Um, you don't see him. He won more tackles than anyone else. I think he came second or third in interceptions. And he can play. You know, he's an internationally international quality midfielder. So you've got people like that. We, we really do have good players. You know, Rico Henry. Rico Henry... We, we were disappointed didn't get into the England squad, although now we're quite pleased he didn't the debacle of the last four Nations Cup or Nations League or whatever the stupid competition is called. It's a friendly, it's, it's, it's a meaningless friendly dressed up as yeah, a meaningful thing. I, I really don't but anyway, um, yeah, the World Cup, I, I might be going to New Zealand, if you see what I'm talking about. I might be going to South Africa in November. I, I thought I'd rather miss the World Cup than miss a few broken games. Yeah, well, yes, there is there is no football November or December in the Premier League in that seven-week period. Uh, I'm going to find something else to do. I'll take up a new hobby, perhaps. But the football library will be... I can announce now it's July that the library will be closed during the World Cup for new visitors. It'll still be open so that people can listen to all the old recordings from visitors, including Greville Waterman, your two visits. This one is plugging just a bus stop in Hounslow, which is out as this show comes out today. Are you going to rub your good luck charm before the United game? I'm looking at it now, and my good luck charm, which I'm holding, because I'm at my desk, is a framed medal. And it's not just any old medal. This is a championship 
winning medal from 1934-1935, Football League Championship, uh, well, Division Two it would have been called then, apologies, which was presented to the Brentford skipper Arthur Bateman. And so Arthur Bateman, so he was our Pontus Janssen mm-hmm. of 1935. And I managed to get hold of his medal. And I used to rub it for luck during the promotion season, during you know, you know, the COVID hit season when, frankly, everything had turned to shit in my life. And Brentford was one of the few things that were helping me hold things together. And then the results turned to crap as well in about February as well. So automatic promotion went out the door. Um, we had to rely on the, uh, the vagaries of the playoffs. So obviously my rubbing the medal uh, for luck enabled us to beat the uh, playoff hoodoo and win for the first time in 10, in 10 lots of playoffs. So, yeah, and Arthur Bateman was an inspirational skipper um, who eventually retired through injury, got hurt against Arsenal, I think, at about 38, and went back to his native Grimsby and became a police inspector and lived a long, happy and successful life. So, good on him. David Hillier, I found this out. You, you may have read this bit of the book. Yeah. Oh, David, yes, absolutely. What's he doing now? He's in Bristol and he's a fireman. Yes, that's right. I remember that. Uh, Another player that sort of probably didn't quite do as much as would have been expected at Arsenal, Uh, but a good player. By by the way, if if you wrote wrote about the FA Youth Cup, did you read the wonderful book? Hang on, I'll go just get it now. That's all right. Uh, what what Gravel's doing is he's going to the far shelves of the actual football library. <laughs> As opposed to the... Did you ever read a book by Colin Schindler or George Best and 21 others? I won't spoil the surprise, but yes. You did? I, well, okay. I read the opening bit. I mean, it astounded me because most of the, most of the City and United teams, including uh, Glenn Pardo, Tommy Doyle, Best and Law, that, uh, they were all, bar about two first-team players for those clubs. It's a completely Absolutely. different world. And that actually segues very nicely. I'd love to talk about my book, uh, From Kids to Champions, which is out now, uh, perhaps as an audio book now. Um, but if not, it will be soon. But it's an e-book and a, a physical book. And thank you so much for, for purchasing it. I hope you enjoy it. As is well known, Brentford do not have a youth system. They have a B team, and some of that B team were involved in the Arsenal game when Brentford became briefly the best team in England. You actually went to see the B team when you were upset with the first team's performance in the bleak midwinter. Looking at the first team from last season, so Raya, Pinnock, Aya, Pontus Janssen, Henry, Janelt, Norgard, Canyos and Bueno, Jensen, Tony, Brackets, Wisser, who came off the bench lots of times. Are any of these B-team players going to get into that first team? Well, I think you've got to look at it and say that already you've got Mads Beck Sorensen, who played half a season last year. You've got Mads Roslev. You've got Mads Bistrup. You know, this the three mags. Um, you've got Marcus Force that's played games. Um, you have the wonderful um, young defender, Finn Stevens, I think 17 or 18. He came on as sub. He played in the FA Cup and the League Cup. Um, and then against Southampton, Nathan Young Coombs, who scored over 30 goals for the B team, came on as sub towards the end. So I, I think it's fair to say that four or five of them have already uh, been earning their spurs. But, you know, it's an incredibly big jump from playing 
uh, B-team football to the Premier League. But I think that we've already got other players. We've got two players playing for England under-19. Daniel Oyegoki, who's a right-back we, we pinched from Arsenal. Matthew Cox, goalkeeper that we signed from AFC Wimbledon, who have both been B-team stalwarts, but are playing from Tottenham. You know, we, we've picked up some very good players, and over 20 of them have actually played for the first team since the B-team was formed a few years ago. But there will be, because we, we're being in the Premier League, we have to have an academy of sorts. There will be an academy of sorts starting up again at some point in the coming season. So the B-team system, you know, shows Brentford in the right light as innovators. It's been copied by quite a few clubs. But the key thing about it is I think people realise that academy football, where the ball is rolled around, there's never a tackle, it's no introduction. It doesn't pave the way for the realities of league football. So the Brentford B team might play Monaco one week and Dover the next. And, you know, they play a lot of men's teams at, at maybe uh, the third or fifth the fifth tier of, 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 of step four or step five of football, play a lot of conference teams, and it's to allow these players to get bashed around and to grow up. So I think the other thing, we've, we've just seen that one of their players, one of the B-team players, a very good young midfielder called Dom, Dom Jefferies, who we picked up from Salisbury. And I think he was flourishing under Steve Claridge, 18-year-old. We, he had a year at Redford. Played over 30 games, scored eight goals in midfield for the B team. But he's gone to sign for Gillingham for a couple of years. Good luck to him. It's, you know, they've decided that he's never going to make a Premier League player, but he'll have a career. And I think it's almost a duty of care for us to try and make footballers out of these players. And of course, if we benefit in the back, on, at the back, in the back end from sell on B, so I suspect that Jeffries has probably signed for Gillingham for nothing. But we will have a high sell-on course for him because if he does become a star, then we should benefit. Chris Metham came through the youth ranks at Brentford. We sold him to Bournemouth for 12 million quid. You know, again, Brentford have done something new and innovative and it's paying dividends. Mention of Mepham puts us in mind of Bournemouth because Bournemouth versus Brentford will, for the first time ever be a top-tier fixture. Not just Premier League, top-tier. Because Bournemouth and Boscombe were far too low in the days when Brentford were in the top division in the 1930s. So, Bournemouth-Brentford, do you think people are going to tune in? Do you think Sky or BT are going to take Brentford-Bournemouth as a live game? I mean, it might be a 4-4 wonderful draw. But the Premier League should not have either of those teams in it by size. Okay, but the point is, you know... I've listened for years about these arguments about size. Mine's bigger than yours, you know, and all these other rubbish things. You get what you deserve. Correct. You know, it's like Leeds and Nottingham Forest, too big for the championship. Sunderland should be a Premier League team. Well, yep. fine. They deserve it. Earn promotion. Brentford, too small. Their ground's too small. They've got no history. That's it. They've got bloody, big, bloody good history. People took time and trouble to look through to learn about it, but you you uh, you do it on merit. And if Redford have a bad season next season, they'll go down. Um, and you know what? If that happens, it would be terrible, but it wouldn't be a disaster. Yes, we would sell players. Of course we would sell players. And we haven't sold players for at least a year. 
told us that we've kept hold of all our best players. That might change at the end of next season, who knows. But you know what? We're bringing new ones and we'll do it again. And this season is an interrupted season that I don't care about because it's got that seven-week break in the middle of it. No, I was about to say, you don't care about it because your team's not in the league. That is as maybe, but that is merely <laughs> one of the many reasons that I don't care about the Premier League. Hey, you're not going to go for a cold, wet Tuesday night at the Bet365. You're going to um, Old Trafford and the Emirates and the Etihad. And well, I'll tell you a story. I, I did go to Old Trafford. I was managed to get cost tickets in the director's box at, at Old Trafford. Uh-huh. Um, royally looked after by the Man United directors who were charm personified, great hosts, and not in the slightest bit patronising, very interested in the Brentford story and what they might even have to learn from it. Anyway, half-time, uh, we played well, we were a goal down, and we, we thought we might beat because Man United were, this was very close, it was their last home game of the season, and they'd been awful. And the games after, they lost 4-0 to Brighton and 1-0 to Crystal Palace. But sod's law, against us, they turned it on. It was their last home game. And, and Thomas Frank said to me, I realised we were in trouble when after about five minutes, Christian Ronaldo chased back, tracked back 30 yards and did a sliding tackle. And he said to Brian Greenwood, number two, we're up for a long, we're in for a long evening tonight and we were but anyway half time I go into the, the gents in the director's box and who is at the next urinal to me Sir Alex Ferguson that was going to be my guess yeah so we nodded to each other do you talk do you not talk <laughs> he you see I was a Brent, you know, Brentford fan he, and he said a couple of very nice things about Brentford uh, again pleasant factual not patronising he said, oh, I'm not doing the accent. That I can tell him he's a good player. Then he says to me, where's Pinnock tonight? Because Pinnock did his hamstring at Watford. And I said, he's injured. And he said, oh, that's a shame. Um, is, has, he played in, has he played for Jamaica? I said, yes. He's now played a competitive game for Jamaica. So that's it. He, he can't mm-hmm. be, be eligible for England. And he says to me, well, we missed a trick here. I saw him play for Forest Green at Macclesfield six years ago. And I went back to the club and told, insisted that we sign him. And they didn't listen to me. And I said that. He said, I regret that. What a great player he is. And uh, that was interesting. That, well, that's in the book as well. That sounds like an exclusive. I can do better than Sir Alex. I was at Dulwich Hamlet. Yeah. He was the best player on the pitch. He headed away everything. And I went, wow, what is he doing here? It's another yeah. Gavin Rose discovery. But... To say, yeah, if United want him, and they they could do with him, it'll cost them a, a lot of a like a like a half of a Maguire, because he looks like. And I I know that um, Michael Caulfield was very complimentary about him as a person, but yes. again, the great thing about Brentford, there's no bad egg. No one is screaming or complaining. It's a small squad. It's a good manager. Of course, they're all Scandi. So there's the Juntelöven, which is you may know about this. Yeah. But you see, you know, they have this they have this no dickheads policy. Yes. Uh, and it's quite serious. You know, they will not sign, as you rightly say, bad eggs. Because, you know, they can infect the dressing room. And it's a small dressing room. It's a very close-knit dressing room. And one of the most important aspects of the club is its togetherness. And without that, we would we would be doomed. Um, I, I actually asked Thomas Frank 
um, about Scandinavians. And he said, well, obviously I'm biased, but they're incredible people. And the majority of the Scandinavians that we've come across at Brentford are obviously good footballers, but they buy into the team ethic. There is no cult of the individual with them. They all want to be part of something bigger than, bigger than themselves. They listen well, they're intelligent, they speak better English than you and I, and frankly, they're, they're bargains. You know, I wouldn't mind a whole team of Scandinavians. We've got eight at the start at the moment, I think. That was what I noticed. There's only kind of Pinnock, Tony and uh, Henry who are English in the 11. So hopefully some of the local lads give it a few years and a bit of investment in this academy. They'll come up. I wanted to finish. The book is just a bus stop in Hounslow. It's out July 1st, which is today. Where can people get it? If people want to buy it, obviously the dreaded Amazon will have it. You know, just a bus stop in Hounslow from Greville by Greville Waterman. Or you can go to the publishers and get it much quicker. Um, and Brentford will benefit as well from a bit of this. So if you go to hawksmoorpublishing.com, which is H-A-W-K-S-M-O-O-R publishing.com, you can order it online and you'll get it within two days. I have stopped myself buying books this year, even football library books. I've got far too many books, so I either get them sent to me for nothing, which is legal, uh, or I get the PDF. So I whiz through the PDF, but I promise that... As soon as I can, uh, I will I will read the physical copy of this book and probably get it signed and I'll come over to West London. and Because if I'm going to go to any Premier League ground, it will be the BCS, the Community Stadium, to see Cliff Crown, who gave this talk in conversation with the rabbi of Radlett Shul. And he was brilliant. Cliff is such a mensch. What an ambassador. Yeah. Well, when I interviewed him, I think my first question, is what's a nice Jewish boy from Radlett doing as chairman of Brentford? Correct, yes. And then I just put the microphone down, let him talk for the next hour and a half, um, and it was great. Now, Cliff's a very, very good guy. That's a very good chapter, yes, and he is an example of, and a lot of clubs have these guys, the Brighton and Millwall, for instance, uh, have guys who really get the club. Uh, And... I'll, I'll bring a couple of guys back in shortly, but I did want to ask you, if you're going to buy Micah Richards' memoir when it comes out in the autumn. <laughs> what a waste of a, of a good set of trees. Um, <laughs> is, that, is that a better answer? Yeah, that, that is better than the one that I've had to edit out. Yes, he is the Monday Night Club's resident comic, in quotation marks. Uh, and what did he say? Uh, he always says he doesn't, I don't know, I don't know. Well, what are you being paid for if you don't know? Get some knowledge. We know why he's there. We know why he's got a book deal. He came out and he said, Brentford are bang average. Bang average. Bang average. Bang average. average. And you know what? To a degree, he was right. Now, I've got to say that. To a degree, he was right. Because in January and February, we were bang average. But he didn't understand why. And he didn't care why. He just wanted the headline. He wanted the easy the easy bit of laughter and applause. And you're talking about a team that was scraping underneath the barrel where even our sixth-choice centre-half was injured. We had, no, we, had a, we had a guy in goal that wasn't up to it, unfortunately. And Charlie Good, poor Charlie Good, you know, he did well at centre-half, but he's not, proved, he's not yet proved himself to be a Premier League centre-half. Uh, we, we were playing the Dominic Thompsons of this world, Josh De Silva was out pretty much all season. Simon Goddard was coming in, coming in. You know, we we were really, really struggling. 
and of course we we weren't doing very well particularly as we were playing i think in about in about two weeks we played arsenal manchester city um and liverpool all away what do you expect yes you're right, um, right. And yeah, then, right of course, when suddenly ericsson comes in and then we go to chelsea and play them off the park which we did and even a friend of mine was a very very well-established 50 years up chelsea fan through group through gritted teeth admitted that we murdered them he suddenly starts saying oh well i knew all along this was good and he starts sort of rewriting history and thankfully the likes i think of mark chapman and gary lineker gave him hell gave him hell and quite right there is uh, a, one thing i like about the book is that You've read a lot. There's a lot of mentions of Ali Rudd from the Times and Henry Winter and uh, Martin Samuel again, uh, and Jay Harris in the Athletic. Well, Jay Harris, you see, again, it was such a novelty for there to be a Brentford beat writer. You know, in the good old days, when I was a kid, you'd buy the Middlesex Chronicle, and there was the late great George Sands who saw over a thousand Brentford games in a row. Um, and this, I'm talking about the 40s, 50s and 60s. I think he died in the early 70s. You know, you would get great breakfast coverage but of matches. You never got anyone sort of poking their nose from underneath the surface. You never got any dirt. You never got anything controversial. But the, the Athletic, it's, it's a bloody brilliant. Um, and for what it costs, it's a complete bargain. And to have a guy who can write and knows how to ferret out a story... Uh, covering Brentford on a on a daily basis is such a luxury, and I stole immeasurably. Like steal, I credit. Yeah, yeah. Him. You know, I don't think I did anything that was that was unacceptable. And I've spoken to Jay many times. I'm I'm meeting him next week when I'm going to give him a copy of the book. Super. Tell so, him the Ferguson anecdote. He will he'll go nuts for it. This this could get global traction. I spent a long time each week because in in the in the championship days, you know, you you would you would listen to you would listen to you know not the top twenty podcast, various other podcasts. I usually listen to the D three D four, and then suddenly you're in the Premier League, and in the championship you could keep up with everything in the media within a, with a couple of hours each week. Suddenly there is a media overload, and I was having to read four or five papers most days. I'd have to look at 10 websites. I, I have to listen to about five or six podcasts every week, match of the day, football focus. So what I tried to do in the book was to give a flavour of what the media thought about Brentford. You know, quoting them all and crediting them all properly, as, as you must do, and commenting on it as well. And it was fascinating that even Martin Samuel, who has, for some reason never, ever given Brentford a jot or an iota of credit and would openly mock them, would mock the League of Justice, would mock everything about them, and you thought he had an agenda. Suddenly, I remember waiting nervously, having been to the Brentford Steam Museum before the Arsenal game, waiting for this game to kick off, thinking, are we, have we, are we about to bite off more than we can chew? And I picked up the Daily Mail, and I saw Martin Samuel writing an article with eulogies about Brentford's style and their modus operandi. And I thought, you know, maybe he's finally got it. Or maybe he's, you know, running with the hair and hunting with the hats. Who knows? So the, the media coverage we got last season was, for the most part, incredibly positive. And 
I have to say that I was slightly worried because I didn't want the book to be a hagiography, but it was very, very, very hard to find fault. I, honestly, I didn't try and find fault, and there are things in there that where I think I've given some mild criticism of a few tactical things and uh, also the fact that we took a chance in the transfer window, but we always take a chance in the transfer window, and it invariably pays off, and it did pay off, but it was possibly a narrower run thing than we would have liked. But the club is incredibly sensible and incredibly innovative and incredibly well run. And I would be doing my readers a disservice if I didn't say that. And what I have tried to do in early chapters is, is explain for non-Brexit fans exactly what this club is all about and its philosophy, its ethos, its DNA, whatever other buzzwords you want to come up with. And hopefully that might be of interest to Micah Richards, perhaps. Oh, no, he perhaps doesn't read books. Perhaps I should send him a cop- copy. Give him the audio book. Nader Manua, um, his memoir is great. Micah Richards describes him as, oh, Nader, he's a thoughtful person. He's not like the rest of us. And Nader, I think, I think it was in the book, so I don't think this is slander. Said, oh, yeah, he's, no. he's never read a book. He had other things to, to interest I wonder, him. I, I wonder who wrote his book. I think he did the pictures. Oh, no, that's no. No, that's far too cool. He's going to the World Cup. He's probably going to be a pundit in Qatar. I am not looking forward, as I say to everyone, the reason I don't care about the Premier League season is because the narrative is going to be, one, why isn't Alan Shearer condemning Mohammed bin Salman? That is the narrative. And the other one is, oh, Harry Kane's twinged his hamstring. Will he be ready against the USA? No one cares. It's, a, it's what Eric Cantona said. Slaves built the stadium. Thank you, Greville Waterman, for popping into the Football Library once again. Just a bus stop in Hounslow is available at hawksmoorpublishing.com, hawksmoorpublishing.com or Amazon. Or the Brentford Club shop will have it. Or if anyone wants to contact me, I'm sure I can provide them with copies too. Fab. Have you, will you send one to Kevin O'Connor, Mr Brentford? I'm sure Kevin will get hold of one. I've, I've sent a few to a few people at the club um, and... Mr. Brentford will have a copy of his book, of the book if he wants to read it. Oh, this Has he written a book already, Kevin? No. Oh, no, Kev, Kev, Kevin. Funny enough, I mean, I, I wrote one on dear old Bob Booker. Yes. Which did okay. I, I'm not sure if Brentford are written out now. I would love to write a book with Thomas Frame. I think someone's got there before me, unfortunately, but we will have to wait and see on that one. Kevin O'Connor, one club man. He's now first team coach. He's played in several divisions. He's now getting very well fed at all these away games. And he's on the touchline at the Brentford Community Stadium, a brand new stadium. Yeah, I mean, Kevin O'Connor, I think he he is Mr. Brentford. He played over 600 times at the club. I think that he, like Serge Canos, are very, very important because they understand what the club is all about. And they are there to teach, like Peter Gillam. Peter Gillam has been working behind the scenes there for over 50 years. And it's important that these people remain in situ because, well, who was it that said, you know, to learn about something, you've got to look at the past. And it's important that all the players understand. So, in fact, whenever we played Fulham or Queen's Park Rangers in a derby, Peter Gillam would talk to the players uh, and explain why it means something. And believe me, they would come out well, the new ones will have it the weekend of the 20th of August. I presume it will be on telly because it's a nice derby to be screened. And then just to finish, um, because you do mention him in the book, Rob Rowan, he would have loved this season. I think a 
lot of this is down to Rob Rowan. Rob Rowan was an inspiration. He was an incredibly intelligent, incredibly energetic, incredibly nice man who, together with Phil Giles and Rasmus Anderson, <clears throat> came up and developed the whole concept of the B team. He was the man who helped recruit lots of uh, young players for the B team, many of whom have come through towards to the first team. He died tragically very, very young, um, and he is sorely missed. And hopefully I pay suitable tribute to him in the book. Absolutely. Thank you for writing this book. Whatever you choose to write about next, are, are you working on something at the moment? Um, I wrote a book that, that can't really be described because it was anonymous on the criminal justice system, which actually did quite well. Uh, and it was very poorly because my name is on the book, and there's a reason why. Everything lined up perfectly for Brentford for last season in terms of, you know, 74 years, Christian Eriksen, bus stop in Hounslow, everything, new stadium, everything worked. I'm not so sure a book on this season will have the attraction. I might come back to Brentford. I think I'm going to give Brentford a rest and, and research and write something on, again on the criminal justice system, which might come out in a year, more likely two years. I look forward to that. I know we've been talking an hour, uh, but I still conclude that I want Brentford in the championship just because I want to go to the community stadium. Well, I'd be more than happy to take you to a game if you would like. Just like the library! Just like the library!